0: Well, hello there, and welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events through the lens of the Christian worldview. But as all lenses have a prismatic effect, we will be dealing with the issues of today from the many facets of the Christian worldview. Uh, To my right, I have Jennifer. How are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Doing all right. Blessed to be here.
1: Yes. I'll be in the chair of theology today.
0: Dealing with why we believe what we believe. Very good. And to my left, her right, we have Mr. Steve. How you doing, sir?
2: Man, I'm doing great, John Arthur. I take it you're doing awfully well?
0: Yes, sir. Running on five hours of sleep, but uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed.
2: Yeah, man, I'm doing about six today. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're putting you in the chair of culture today.
2: Fantastic. Sounds good. I like that one.
0: So, <laughs> dealing with the culture that has developed in the counterculture that the Christians should be involved in creating. And yours truly, John Arthur, I'll be sitting in the chair of Christian economics, but also a warming philosophy and politics, and we can all kind of yeah. bounce around today. As we well, always do. While we're waiting for the Josh. I don't know what's, uh, what's going on, but uh, something <laughs> happened, and he was up late dealing with some logistics somewhere. So we'll get them when we get them. Suffice it to say, if you read the title of this podcast, some of you are saying, oh, yeah, anti-work. Let's talk about it. Some of you are saying, well, what on earth is anti-work? Who, I mean, are, are, we, are we talking about a bunch of hippies? Uh, <laughs> maybe a little bit, but but there is more to it. There's more to it, and and I, I really want to stray away from ad hominem today. It is because, you talking
2: about my day, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> because
0: I, I some of these folks, they actually have th- there is something wrong here that they see that, that, that is actually negatively affecting them. But it's not what they think. And their solution is absolutely misguided. But there is a real problem with some Issues Now, we're, we're, we're going to go ahead and play part of a Fox News interview with uh, a transgender individual who goes by Doreen, and uh, if you start doing a little bit of Googling on Doreen, Doreen's an eclectic character. I want to kind of just avoid that as, as much as possible. For now, let's just go ahead and listen to this little clip uh, in an interview with Jesse Waters of Fox News.
3: Workday. How many hours is, is, you know, a solid workday in, in your ideal right. society? Uh, sure. I mean, I think as much as people want. I mean, I personally uh, work. I have I have like a 20, 25 hour work weeks, which I think is fairly good. Um, so I would like less work hours. Um, and what I think do you do, Doreen? Uh, I'm a dog walker. A dog walker. Okay. Yes. And how? Uh, yeah. So how I old are a you, me- if you don't mind me asking? Sure. I'm thirty. You're thirty. Okay. And is there something you want to do besides being a dog walker? Do you aspire to do anything more than dog walking? Or is that kind of your
0: your pinnacle?
3: Uh, I, I love working with dogs. If I had to do this for the rest of my life, you know, I wouldn't be super complaining. You know, dogs are wonderful animals. Uh, but I I would love to teach. Uh, I would love to, um, you teach. know, uh, work, with, work with people and what, stuff like that. What would that. you yeah. teach, Dorian? Uh, a philosophy, mostly. Philosophy. Just introduction to philosophy, critical thinking reason stuff like that okay well I would love to take your class Doreen I would just be taking notes the whole time and you know what a professor is a very similar schedule than something that you're imagining so I think that actually might might work perfectly
4: for you listen uh, I think this might not be the greatest idea but who am I to judge
3: to each their own they say it's a free country
0: so work is a reddit uh, page R/ antiwork okay and and antiwork is really they, they say those who want to abolish work Doreen is the founder of this of this movement and it has 1.6 million or 1.7 million subscribers pre this interview this interview absolutely destroyed it everyone said oh my gosh you're an idiot uh, and, and by the way Doreen has the has the tism. Pretty, pretty strong. Uh, you know, transgender. There's a lot of stuff going on with Doreen's life. I, I really don't want to go there. So some of you have gone there in your mind already. You've already read it up. That's fine. But twenty-hour work week. Is that actually like a? Is that a bad thing? I mean, we were talking about this before the show. I mean, Jennifer had, you know, sh- she came in and says, "Well, I don't, I don't really."
1: No. So, so here's the thing: is since well. Does he identify as a woman or a man? Biologically, he, he,
0: Biologically, he identifies as she, Doreen.
1: Sure. Okay. And the only reason that I, I mentioned that is because there is a slightly different standard for men and women. Men do have a, a primary responsibility to make sure that their dependents are financially uh, provided for. So as long as that criteria is met, a 20-hour work week is fine. But my next question is, what are you doing with your free time? if you're not working 40 hours a week, you've got a lot of extra time on your hands. And if you go home and you sit on the couch and watch movies and lick Cheeto dust off your fingers, that is unproductive and slothful. If you go home and for just to stay in the secular example, if he goes home and he studies philosophy and reads uh, thought-provoking books and is uh, doing things for his community... There's nothing wrong with being a dog walker who works 20 hours a week. He's still doing work.
0: So, yeah, I, absolutely. And I, I, I think we can all agree there's nothing wrong with a cottage industry that doesn't produce anything more than what's necessary for the individual. That, that's not the issue here. The issue is, is they, they, he goes on to say later in the interview, he says, laziness is actually a virtue.
2: Isn't that sloth?
1: Well, for the world, uh, it very well could be. I mean, uh, the the reason that we don't like laziness, don't like selfishness, don't like these self-serving principles is only because of biblical Christianity.
0: Let me push back a little bit on that because mm-hmm. I like where you're going, but all of us have the word of God written in our hearts. So mm-hmm. even the secular world...
1: Oh, sure tends uh, to t-
0: tends to see this as kind of a, a
1: sure sure they they, they certainly can I, I'm gonna say overcome these um, like natural drives to to get the best for me uh, and they can do that in various ways money and benefits we're going to be talking about really really big money and benefits uh, in these tech companies that's one way that the world can overcome uh, laziness but but it's, it, it's, it's, not, it's not the same.
0: Agreed. So where, where we're effectively starting from this, and I, and I just want to set the table moving forward, there's this idea that work itself is bad, the institution is bad, and, and Doreen has specifically been an advocate of, quote-unquote, abolishing work. And that's what the Reddit was effectively created. And, and, and you may say, well, the Redditors. Hold on. 1.7 million Redditors. That's statistically significant that you have a lot of people, and, and by the way, not all of them were, were interested in abolishing work, but they have this idea that work is somehow an inequitable injustice. That's a, that's a problem when there's, when you think that the institution of work, because work was God ordained, and we're gonna to get to that later, but work is a, an institution, like government, like the family, that was ordained by God. So when you have a culture that throws the baby out with the bathwater, say you have a cr- crummy boss, okay, been there. Say you have very, very h- difficult work conditions. I have I tell people, I've worked $8 an hour in sewage. I've, I've done that. I've worked almost $100 an hour in manufacturing, but the but the environment was toxic. That's why I was getting paid so much. Uh, I was working $70, $80, you know, even, even potentially more, an hour in toxic, literally toxic work environment. So I I get it. I get it. But culturally, what happens when we start to take something that is God-ordained and God-created and we rebel against it?
2: Sin, kind of like the same thing what Adam and Eve did in the garden.
0: Confusion.
2: Exactly.
0: Confusion and and destruction.
2: You know, like uh, if Doreen is saying that, you know, laziness is a virtue, oh, man, then he's falling back on one of the sins that's called sloth. Correct. You know, and uh, who is going to do what needs to be done in society who's going to get out plant your food absolutely who's going to harvest it for you who's going to get your build your house to live in
0: and and, and so my my issue is is if you want to hold the position of anti-work go ahead go ahead stop working for a month see what happens if you don't believe me when i, I say that a job is a blessing from God, try living without one. And no, you can't couch surf on your parents or family or friend's couches. No, that that, that, that doesn't count. You're living right. off the largesse of someone else. Go try to hoe a row, plant some, some food, and tell me that working in an office environment is somehow harder than farming. Okay, for your own food or foraging. Okay. If you want to do that, by the way, if you want to go out and forage uh, and, and farm, more power to you. Make sure that you're doing it on your own land, though,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and not on mine. Because if I don't know who you are and you don't respond well when I say get off my land, I'm going to shoot you. I'm, I'm just saying.
2: Hey, you're, you, know, you can go to a National Forest and go forage. Go forage for uh, vegetables. They've, they've got all kinds of things that you can go forage and you're allowed to do it. 365. Now, exactly. now animals have regulations. Okay? You got to you got to go by all of the laws and regulations if you're going to forage for animals. But if you're going to do it for vegetables, animals I like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're but if you're going to go forage for vegetables, you're allowed to do that. Three sixty-five exactly in the national forest. But they have them throughout Texas, throughout every state.
0: But this is really sort of not not the argument that they're actually wanting to get at, and 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 it, it goes, it gets interesting. Uh, Tim Pool did a really interesting bit on this. Uh, he he went and reviewed this, and and Tim Pool pulled out something interesting. He said, people in the millennial generation are lost. They feel like they were lied to. A lot of them accrued enormous student debt. Mm-hmm. And they were told that this was gonna somehow provide them. They had to go and work. They had to do a nine to five. They had to go, and they had to work. And then they would get the life that the boomer generation had. Mm-hmm. But there's a problem. The boomer generation inherited a perfect, or not perfect, an immaculate family structure by and large the the boomers had a wonderful family structure and they had a wonderful economy so so good that we were able to deal with like an 80% or whatever it was some enormous egregious corporate tax rate for a while and and finally i had to step down because it caused cause a crash but for years they were able to enjoy the benefits of the good men that were born of hard times and now millennials you Sorry, Social Security's about to go bankrupt. The social welfare nets, everything's about to fall. Um, it's gone. So you're going to have to work. And that's okay. That's good. It, that's a good thing. Uh, as Bernie Sanders would say, <laughs> yes. the, the man that was kicked out of a commune because he was too lazy. <laughs> but Josh. Josh just strolled in. How are you doing this morning, my good sir?
3: The only question I have for you how many times do you have to tell someone that the delivery time is 0800 before it, it before oh it oh my gosh oh. I cannot
0: believe you, you know that's that's unfortunate but we're talking about work and a good work ethic and we're going to and, and we're going to hear someone who says the problem with today's society is the protestant work ethic so that that, that that's going to be fun you're gonna have fun with that one. Mm-hmm. And today, you're sitting in the chair of philosophy, aren't you, my good sir?
3: Oh yes, that'll be awesome. I'd love to sit in that chair.
0: <laughs> so glad to have you in here. Uh, just rubbing his eyes. Unfortunately, Josh gets called at three in the morning and has to deal with people who don't show up at oh eight hundred because they decided to for- sleep in or or, or whatever. Well, God no, only th- th- this one's
3: a wilder circumstance. We sent the rate con, and and he said, "This is I have a verbatim his excuse." I'm sorry, I did not send the rate con to the drivers, but I'm like, but in the email chain, you called, you said you called them and spoke to them or were you just lying to (laughs) So, so (laughs) things
0: we need to make sure that we're excellent in our work and we're going to go through the biblical, uh, biblical mandates for this in just a little bit. But first, I want to go to a Reuters article that talks about this anti-work and and by the way, link at the, uh, website is going to be there with the article. Go ahead and provoke to reason.com. You're going to look at this article, and you can find this Reuters anti-work piece. It's an 11-minute-long video. It's too long for us to show the whole thing here, but we have some clips that are that are interesting. Go uh, find the source and uh, the citation. But they're they're asking why are we working so much and why can't anti-work work? We're looking at a 15-hour work week. Is what we want. And supposedly, there was an economist who said that someday we would be at a 15-hour work week. Let's go ahead and roll clip one from this.
4: When I was researching this film, I came across this chart. This graph basically illustrates income inequality and where it came from. There's a
0: major divergence in this graph. I called
4: up uh, economist Sylvia Allegretto to to help me understand it. Yeah, this is a very interesting uh, concept and in, in a long term trend that should be understood. One line on this graph is the growth in worker productivity going
0: steadily That's how upward.
4: Much income is being generated economy wide per hour of work. And it just has kept going up. The other line is compensation. For-
0: and so that line, the second line, is compensation for that work. Except they measure it by consuming, or by, by, by the consumer index, not by the gross domestic product index. So, it, 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 and again, this, uh, this graph will be, it's from the Economic Policy Institute, it'll be in the article, if you're, you know, listening on audio, sorry. But, you'll see a lot of these graphs, where they'll say, look, the rich are stealing from you, look. And then if you read the fine print, the graph is two different calculations. One is based on consuming and one is based on income. And there was a great economist, um, I'll, I'll post this in the description and in the article as well on this topic. He went so far as to say, "What what is the economic equivalent of an iPhone in 1970 when this chart delineates. It's a nonsense question. Mm -hmm. We have started consuming so, so much more. So of course this chart, it's literally a lie. You're either someone with the intellect of a fifth grader, nothing wrong with that, or you are a liar when you put together a, a chart and they'll use these charts. Read the fine print. So Mr. Steve has some charts that he'd like to describe again we're doing this over audio but we're, we're looking at a, at a mean increase or decrease here put it in those terms how much has the actual compensation rate been in the last <clears throat> the 10 com- years
2: oh over 10 years the productivity levels have on a mean level have actually gone up they've stayed above a mean level there's only been Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five years over, what is that, a
0: a nine-year period, nine-year period, 2012 to 2021,
2: right, where they've been, let's see what is, been below the mean level. Now, the product or the compensation level has never been below the mean level. They have constantly or either stayed the same or gone up as it has gone over or should I say bad English there as it has consistently gone through the years has gone up 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 and up now from the time of 18 over to 2020 it kind of stayed for a level there but it went up. After twenty twenty there was a little drop, of course, during that time. People leaving the job workplace. But after that, it went up. So you're looking consistently. At
0: a, so links in the description. Go Correct. ahead and look these up yourself. I mean all, all, all references cited here. But suffice it to say you're looking at either a stagnation, which by the way going to get to that or a gentle increase in compensation now stagnation let's talk about that big time when you want to change policy by increasing taxes and decreasing productivity
1: recipe for disaster
0: so
2: and there was a time when there was stagnation because people were not able to buy because of why There was not available products, and the price index went up on foods. All kinds of items that were being brought to the marketplace went up.
0: During during the pandemic. Correct. So all of that to say, yes, we've started consuming more. No, you're not getting paid less. Next clip.
4: This is Anthony Klotz, and he coined a term that you've been hearing everywhere. The Great Resignation. The Great Resignation. The Great Resignation. The Great Resignation. Because he saw it coming. I was talking to a reporter and shared my view that I thought there might be a Great Resignation coming. And since I made that prediction over the past six months, we have seen elevated rates of resignations here in the United States more than we've ever seen before.
0: Could it be... Scratch, scratching my chin here. Could it be, possibly, that you offer a paycheck for those who are mm-hmm. unemployed? That There's some people will
1: incentives work
0: drop off. Oh, oh, but 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 work is
3: specifically bad. Hmm. Josh and there was a gentleman. I, I find it funny that people will say the Protestant work ethic is the issue. Let's get to that in just a minute, because I want you to
0: hear the clip. I want you to hear the clip. It peened me through the roof. I almost started laughing. I almost started laughing.
2: You, You can see on these charts, at the time when these checks were going out, the comparison, how they coordinate with the checks going out, productivity and compensation. If you look and you know when these checks were going out, how they equate with each other, it is just I mean, it is on par to that. Absolutely. Next clip.
4: Okay, so wage hikes, worker empowerment, that sounds promising.
0: Part of the anti-work movement.
4: Meaningful and lasting change might require a deeper shift in how we think about work. I'm talking about hustle culture. <laughs> Hustle culture pushes workers to go above and beyond the 9-to-5, and overworking to the point of exhaustion is often encouraged and even rewarded. Hustle culture...
0: Okay.
1: This is the second time I'm hearing it, and it's worse than the first time. (laughs) There is a
3: subsect of people, though, that do subscribe to that philosophy. But,
0: But they want money. If you don't want money, don't hustle for it. But also, don't make money your god. My goodness! Yes, that's the problem. How how empty is that? Mm-hmm. So, chair of theology, yes. hustle culture. Two different ways that you can sort of like like define this and 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 meet it out. One is someone who is an approved workman who's throwing everything into it that they can. They want to provide for their family. They want to provide for this and that. That's one. Mm-hmm. Type one. Type two person who wants the worldly things and they are motivated and driven by that theologically what delineates those and what do we see the scripture saying about what that produces in the in the human
1: well i think one of the big things that separates those two things is the reason that somebody is working if somebody is working for monetary gain, to improve their status, to do all of these things, it's, it's ultimately on a foundation of sand. When somebody is working because they have been redeemed by this amazing, loving God who says that it pleases him that they do work. And now as a new creature, I desire to please him. And therefore, I'm going to go out and do my best at work. That's a whole that that's a totally different thing, and and it changes everything about how you look at work. Not only physical work, but also um, we talked about with Doreen, you know, having a 20-hour work week. As long as you don't go home and sit around and do nothing. That's still fulfilling the commandment. If you, if you meet the requirement to provide for your family and then you go home and you are diligently studying the scriptures and you're volunteering in ministries at church and you're involved in your community in a godly way, it doesn't matter if you're not making six figures.
0: That's exactly my dream. I Someday I would love to work a 20-hour work week after having created something that yeah. can sustain a family and a ministry yep. and start working.
1: And then just a couple of, of verses. We can go to Psalm 128, verse 2. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. I mean, th- th- this is not something that's a burden for people. Um Romans twelve in verse eleven tells us not to be slothful in business, but to be fervent in spirit serving the Lord.
2: Amen on that.
1: Yeah. Uh first Corinthians ten. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. I mean I I have like like fifteen of these.
0: And and we can keep going.
2: Maybe Doreen needs to read the one on Romans, huh? Proverbs
1: sixteen three. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. It's all for the glory of God.
0: And that leads very well to the chair of philosophy. I want to ask you, when you do not have the theological framework in place, is it not a logical conclusion to go to hustle culture as a sort of God? And how should the Christian... So, so juxtapose that to how the Christian should think about work. Jennifer's laid a lot of groundwork for you there. What should the man of the house specifically, and if, and if you have a woman who's working to support the family too, not all families can make it on one income, how should we go about our work from a philosophical standpoint with a good theology laid down?
3: So, unpacking the first part of that question with the current problem of hustle culture with the wrong aim, you don't find a true fulfillment in that lifestyle. Amen. You can try and search it out all you want, and you can try and make as much money as you can. But if that were to be the case, and money would make you happy, and hustling would make you happy, then there would not be rich people who kill themselves, but there are countless rich people who kill themselves. So obviously there's more to life than hustling and making money. In fact, there is a key tenant of life and this is what they're sorely missing by not having that theological backbone to back it up. And that is the Bible and the way that the Bible speaks about work. Work is not something where your value comes from. It is a response to the Lord's provision of grace through Christ on the cross and through his raising three days later. That That is, and, and through the response to that, in obedience, in submission, if you believe it, we work. And here's the beautiful thing about it. Your work does not and should not speak to how good you are. Your work speaks to how amazing the love of God is. Amen. And And here's the thing. Isn't that what our lives should be pouring out anyway? It shouldn't be pouring out how good you are. It should be pouring out how amazing the Lord is because he we are just the vessel. We're just the body. And if we're doing it correctly, the spirit is going to be doing most of the speaking if not all. So, let me go ahead and just plug Josh because he he
0: he hadn't, you know, he's too humble to bring it up, but he's been recognized multiple times in a in a global company for being An excellent worker. He's been recognized over and over again. You want to talk about someone who's hustle culture. Some people would put Josh in that camp because he's a overachiever.
1: And speaking to Josh's main point, he has been recognized quite often, but what I'm more excited about is how many stories he has of how often he's gotten to talk with his co-workers about the gospel. I, it feels like it's almost every week that he's like, "Oh, somebody else came up and asked me about the Bible verse on my wall or my Bible on my desk," and that's that's awesome.
0: And and guess what? Your hu- your hustling, your your, eh, I hate that term, <laughs> your hard work, your work ethic. That is what people say. Why do you? Why do you work this hard? Why do you? You know, how are you this
3: way? Who are you? And how can I be like you? And the thing that's also important to do is you have to acknowledge where you misstep because I told them what I tell them the reason that the Bible verse is there. I told them it's because I did not handle this situation appropriately, that I have no reason to be worried about how this all goes because my value is not in it. And this verse was a good reminder to tell me that my value is not in my work which is hilarious because they would think well, well what what you're here to work yeah mm-hmm. but here's the thing my value is not in this work if if I lost this job I wouldn't have my value wouldn't be gone mm-hmm. absolutely
0: because your value is found in Christ and 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 that, that's the thing like don't find by, by the way don't find your identity in work there is something that these people will bring out. They'll say, you find your identity in work and, and, and you give everything, everything to the job. Don't do that.
1: I do want to read one more verse real quick, just because I I don't want to miss it. In Colossians 3, verses 22 through 24, I really liked it. It says, servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of your inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. That's it. Amen. That's why we work.
0: Amen. And we're going to get to the, the words used for work before we're done. I think it'll have a different... Impact on, on us here, but um, moving on over to the chair of culture, we're going to talk about hustle culture just for a moment because I I I think we've kind of beat it dead here. But <clears throat> should Christians be connotated with hustle culture or with godly culture? The Protestant work ethic, maybe even as we're about to hear.
2: Sure, John Arthur, uh, you know because. In order to do like God wants us to do, our jobs are ordained by God. God gives us these abilities to be able to bless him, and we have been blessed to be able to work, provide for our families. This is something that's been ordained by us. I've been on both sides of this thing where at one time when I was younger, like Josh, where before the time when I was saved, this is a little short story here, and, you know, I was not into working a whole lot. Man, I'll tell you what, couldn't hardly keep a job, drank way too much, couldn't get up, go to work on time, Went through jobs. It was not something that I could do. I just had drinking problems. It was not something that, you know, lost too many jobs. Messed up my life for many, many years. Didn't get that attitude until the time that I was saved, which was late in my life at the time of 48. Boy, that's a bad time to get that kind of a thing in life. You see it, you look back over and go, man, this is a bad time in life to be able to get this kind of attitude to be able to see what it is that God has given you to be able to do and to have and be able to bless him with being able to work and supply your family with the needs they have and to give them and take care of your family as a man, godly man, is supposed to do. Now, I'm here at the church. I'm help with our men's ministry, and I help doing and show men what it is to do and be a godly man and use my experiences to show what it is not to do.
0: And that right there is the culture that we as a church need to develop, where you have biblical manhood, where the man goes out, works not for personal gain, but to support family, is first ministry. By the way, uh, when you're married, your spouse is your first ministry. All of these quote-unquote pastors who say, I had to leave her because she was getting in the way of my ministry... No.
3: Or the, or the ministers who put their children above their wife.
0: Oh, oh yes. Oh, yeah. You know, your wife is your first ministry, men. Women. Right. Your husband is your first ministry, not your children. Because when you get to be 20 years, 30 years in marriage, and the children are gone, 40 years in marriage, children are all gone, and you have not built a firm foundation, you have set yourself up for a fall and your children will see your example. And that's the thing. Build a culture of good example. Biblical womanhood. We can't have children that are raised up after God if the man is busy working and the woman is not able to, or between the two. Look, if you come from a two-income household and you send your kids to public school, you have to deprogram the programming that's going on because there is a, there is a Marxist... Programming and agenda in school. You have to say, What did you learn today? What? Don't be so obsessed with work that you miss the most important calling in front of you. That's another, that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother topic. And we need to talk about that sometime. But getting to the chair of economics, just to wrap up this point, guys, if you're hustling, Make sure you're hustling for Jesus. Okay, I'm sorry.
3: Oh, preach it, sister. Stop. Oh, my. I'm oh going
0: to beat you, son. Nope, nope, you know, this is your mic level. You're <laughs> muted, son. Oh, no. <laughs> you're muted for the rest of the... I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Anyway, uh, <laughs> don't, mock <laughs> the, don't mock the producer. Bad things happen. Okay. So make sure that you're working and you're spending the monopoly money that's all going to go back into the box when you're done spend it in some way that impacts eternity on the note of culture and protestantism and protestant culture uh, this next clip is going to be fun.
1: It's pretty shady to Catholics and Orthodox and Jews. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. I, think, I feel like religion in uh, general. Ideas about
2: work has changed. Work, uh, certainly in the 19th century and well into the 20th century, was a means to an end.
4: And in the past hundred years or so, work has become an end in itself. So instead of working to live, more people are living to work. Western society's obsession with work for work's own sake has its origin in the Protestant work ethic. For Protestants, hard work was seen as God's will. This is when jobs became
2: vocations, or God's calling. Gradually through the 19th century, however, that God talk sort of withered away, but that religious charge on work for work's sake remains.
0: Okay, so there's so much wrong here. Did
1: he say the God cult withered away? (laughs) That,
0: that, 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 That God talk. He oh, said that God talk okay, okay. withered I, away. So th- th- there's a lot wrong with that clip.
1: <laughs> well, he's not wrong with that.
0: So so there's, and that's the, yes, that's the thing. Protestant work ethic. You know, the thing that built the United States, the thing that actually created the the environment for the successful half of the Enlightenment Okay, because okay? you, you have the Locke and Burke Enlightenment. For, so you, you had Locke believed in a God-based... Look, our value as humans comes from our identity in God. That was John Locke. Edmund Burke, in the European side of the Enlightenment, was a believer in your culture, your blood, and your land is where you got your value. French Revolution, Nazism, and by the way, heavily heavily influenced by that whole uh, – the spirit that created Freud and, and Nietzsche, et cetera. I mean, obviously not inspired by them, but that whole spirit, that whole driving influence of man deriving its value his value in himself. is it come from God or does it come from yourself? Guess what? Protestant work ethic developed the United States, the country that's defending <coughs> the whole world from people who wish it harm. The Edmund Burke developed Nazism.
3: Yay. Just
0: think about that for a moment, but he did say something interesting. And Jennifer, you, you, you you honed in on it. What happened in the late 19 or the mid 19 hundreds rather that, that changed how we perceive and view work.
1: Well, I mean, I guess going just as a broader point, I think what he's trying to say is we tried to retain all of the values that we get from God without acknowledging God. And that's just not going to work. That's... Yeah, ha ha ha, work pun. (laughs) Oh, no. But I mean, that that late there's, than never. there's there's nothing else to say to that. If if you want to have a a worldview that is based on Judeo-Christian values, you need the Judeo-Christian part. Otherwise, the values don't have a foundation, and
0: they don't make sense. They don't
1: make sense, and I think that's what a lot of these anti-work people are seeing. Is they've been given this Protestant work ethic, we can call it, but they don't have the knowledge of my work brings glory to God. My work is pleasing to God,
0: and they—they don't sold, have that. And they've been sold a different philosophy, mm-hmm. the philosophy of of Marxism, that 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 you can bring a utopia to this earth. Mm-hmm. You, if you think that you could bring utopia to Earth,
1: this whole we just work for work's sake nowadays. We are the most cush, lush, well provided for. We've got our padded, comfy seats and our air conditioning and our iPhones. We are so well off; it is astounding.
0: Here in America. In America, yes. So that's just. I just want to throw over to the philosophy chair. Jennifer started to peel some of that open for you. When you have a philosophy that's informed by a good theology, you'll come to the idea that work indeed is good. But Marxism, which we're now looking at this cultural Marxism, if you will, what does that look like? Or what would that advocate for eventually? It would be automation, right, Josh?
3: Did you repeat that one more time? Oh, my goodness.
0: He's working. (laughs) So (coughs) hustle culture, (laughs) you got to get rid of that hustle culture, man. Uh, When you have a philosophy that is formed by a good theology, you will see work as something that is not only God-ordained, but something that glorifies God. When you have a philosophy that is formed by a bad theology, one that man is essentially good and that we can effectively bring a utopia. What's that going to do to your work ethic? How is that going to shift it? What, what, what becomes the end goal?
3: Your work ethic, work ethic, if it is poorly placed, is quite frankly meaningless and you have no reason to work hard.
0: We fall to nihilism, don't we?
3: Because you, you don't. Even though there is a societal good that comes from it, there, there is no reason for the societal good. There is no backing behind the societal good. Uh, I find it funny that they point to the Protestant work ethic. I, can I give you a quote from someone? Absolutely. Two, he gives three points. Two, never give up work. Work gives you meaning and purpose, and life is empty without it. Do you know who said that? I don't Stephen know. Stephen Hawking. Oh hey, man! Oh yeah, where the most notorious
1: Protestant of them all.
3: The most notorious Protestant of them all. The man who definitely would know about Protestant work ethic. So, I, I, so, <laughs> so when we're, so, so when you say that the Protestant work ethic is the problem, let us be very clear. Uh, this is not a that. That's not something that the the Protestants are saying. The Protestants aren't saying you get your value from your work. The the Protestants are saying that you have value that comes from God, and and as a result, you work. Whereas the man Stephen Hawking will say that your value comes from your work. But what happens if I don't have work? What happens if, like, for example, the pandemic happens and you lose your job? I guess you just have no value. Exactly. Where do you get your value?
0: And so culturally, the Protestant work ethic is the... It is what created the United States of America. Let me ask you, when we are starting to put a name directly to the concept of God's calling affecting our work lives, when we're putting a name to that and saying that God himself is the problem, or that belief in God is the problem, what is the cul- what's the cultural objective here? Where do we want to go? Does, does this not sound like a one-world utopia in Marxism?
2: Oh man, that, Isn't that, the goal? that sure it is. Communism, Marxism, whatever you, whichever line you want to go down, um, you know, and it and it's going to the point to where you're removing God from society. You're getting rid of God completely to where you know you have not just atheism being to where everything is atheist, to where God is completely outruled from everything, to where you end up with a culture that's like, let's say, China, for instance, where if you do practice your religion, whether it's over there, you know, you practice Christian, any kind of religion, you get thrown in a camp. And Check not. out the weakers, for instance. Boom, you know and who talks about them. <laughs> and that's where they want to go.
0: All,
1: well, now, and, the, now and, that the Mulan movie is done filming, we don't care about them anymore. No, no,
2: right, no. right, because, because everyone because it's it's not it's not it, useful for the news cycle. Anymore. Yeah, it, it, isn't that what CEO that was saying that that we don't care about them? I, I don't. Uh, I can't uh, uh, whatever that whatever his name was yeah I, who cares about it I'm, so. I'm, I'm
0: trying to remember he was a he was a tech company ceo and he was a he's an indian uh just because we're we're counting race he goes he goes who cares about the uyghurs no one cares it's below me it's like it's like things that i care about uh, he's i don't remember if he said something like it's like my coffee is cold like like that that's higher than the uyghurs it, it that's not what he said, well, but I it was mean, his he's, just, he's just saying right. the quiet part out loud. Exactly. So. exactly.
2: Exactly. And, you know, to where he thinks more about his money and his income than he does more about what's going on with people, uh, the weakers, and what's, you know, those types of things that are happening with people.
0: Exactly. Uh, it's more uh, about the individual your own desires. And so...
2: Isn't that called that's, greed? Mm-hmm. That's where it comes down the to The love is of money?
0: <laughs> our, again, have Christians shown themselves, and we talked about this in other podcasts, have we actually shown ourselves about caring about the world? We spend 90-something percent of our, of our income on ourselves as a church, as a Western church. That needs to change. We need to make sure that when we work... It's not necessarily, there's nothing wrong with owning a boat. There's nothing wrong with owning a second house. I don't have a problem with these things. But where is the, where is your focus? What are you trying to do? Are you trying to change the world for Christ? I.e., I, e. I, 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 I want to put faces and names here. Are you trying to win souls? Are, are you going to get to heaven and you're going to walk in and no one comes in behind you? Are you going to walk into heaven and God's going to say, I gave you a thousand and one chances to be used by me, and I didn't need you, but I wanted you. I wanted you to be part of my work, and you refused. That's the value of your time, from the chair back That's the value of your time. Your money is not for you. Your time is not for you. It is for the Lord's work. And that is a large, large variety of things. And church is good. And and I'm talking to myself as much as anyone else. Spending time in church is good, but time in ministry. Make sure that you're ministering to others. Make sure that you're spending time and, and, and minister at work, minister at school, minister at play, minister at, you know, wherever you go, preach the gospel and use words when necessary. On that note, we had some of the stuff that we we wanted to get into, but I'll put it down in the link. There's a great thing on tech on tech on millennials uh, and 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 tech giants having the, they're they're claiming that this is part of the great resignation. And you have these incredibly cush jobs where you have all these benefits that Jennifer was alluding to, and one of these guys literally says, "Well, it was so stressful because I I started making more money and I started you know I I." I, more responsibility was put on me and because I became a critical part of my team and it was just kind of stressful Oh, you, you it, mean like adulting?
2: and it became toxic in work environment for me
1: one lady actually said that she left because she was spending a lot of time on a project and it got done and it was great and then there was another project after <laughs> it was done
0: almost like you're paid to be here <laughs>
1: And then for one of the benefits, <laughs> these, these companies are offering them like five course meals. And the dude is like, yeah, but they don't serve it until late. So you have to stay at the office until like six.
0: Almost like it's in the <laughs> interest to do
2: that.
1: Almost like
0: they're, they're incentivizing you to work.
1: Anyway, this is, that's a whole
2: other. Welcome to being an adult.
1: <laughs>
0: so I wanted to wrap up with some verses because this is where we're basing it out of. And, and, and the historicity of Christ, the historicity of the Bible, they, lend, they give us the evidence that the Bible is a, is a true document, and our faith is not blind. Our faith is not blind. So with that in mind, let's go to the source. There are several verses that I want to get to, but Jennifer... Do you have a couple more that you want to dig into?
1: Yes, and I will note that I have all, I'm have. i including your list in my little pool from today. Okay. So a lot of them we may have already read. So I'll, I'll just read all the other ones that I didn't read already. Please do. Uh, Proverbs 21, 25.
0: Leave Revelation 7 for me.
1: Okay. <laughs> the desire of the slothful kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Oof. It's pretty strong. Ooh. Proverbs 14, verse 23. In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury, which is poverty. Uh, Proverbs 13. A lot of Proverbs. The Book of Wisdom. Lo, lo and behold. Uh, verse 4. The soul of the sluggard desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat.
0: Doreen. I hope you're listening. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Proverbs twelve eleven. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread. But he that flo- followeth vain persons is void of understanding. Uh, Psalm ninety verse seventeen. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands. Establish thou it. Ephesians four twenty eight. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, the things which is the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth.
2: Excuse me, there. That's for those that are in California doing all of this, mm-hmm. you know, walking stealing, out walking out, and yeah. just yeah.
1: Steal no more. Exactly. So that's I believe that that's hitting all of them. So, uh, oh. nope. One more, Philippians two verses thirteen through fifteen. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world.
0: Amen. And to wrap things up with a book that is the end, we'll go to Revelation seven, fifteen through 17. And I'm I'm, I'm going to go through this with a little bit of a of a exegetical take, and that's just I'm I'm looking at the Greek with a concordance here, with the intent of pulling it apart. So let's just really quick, if you'll bear with me, I think you'll you'll find something of worth here, 15 through 17. Then we'll go through the exegetical. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night. These are, the, these are the, this is the beloved, the church, in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne sh- shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sunlight on them, nor any heat. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them unto the living fountains of uh, fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. In verse 15, you see the picture of heaven for those who were taken out in Revelation. In Perfect Bliss and Harmony, it says that we will letruo him day and night, serve him, letruo. That's the word for servile servitude, but it's also the word used for worship. Avodah in the Hebrew is also the word for work, but it's also the word for worship. Or for service. We are called to work. It is our work ethic. It is our worship ethic. It is our service ethic. Okay? Latruo means to service as a hiring or a minister, as a priest offering a gift to God. We will latruo the Lord. We will service him. We will worship him. We will work for him, serve him. And he shall feed, or poimano, feed us as a shepherd tends to a flock, and he shall lead us, or hodego, to teach us the way or show us the way, as a shepherd does with sheep. And he will wipe away esalifo. That's where we get our word annihilate. He will annihilate our tears, the ones that come from sin and from shame and from this world. We work because we worship. We serve because we worship. We're running short on time. Quick around the room. Sum up in 10 seconds or less. We are short on time. But go ahead. Theology. Uh,
1: we work because it pleases God and we want to please God because he has loved us so much that he provided the only sacrifice that could ever reconcile us to him.
3: Philosophy. How should we go about work? Remember your value is not in work. Your value is in who you are, who who God says you are.
0: Amen. Culture, how should we carry ourselves so that people see God in us?
2: We need to get out of this lazy culture of sloth and learn to worship God with work and praise and glorify him with our work and make sure we serve him in that manner and show him that through that we are worthy and prove to him we are worthy
0: to live in a worthy manner to die to self to live in christ economically guys what are you spending your time on what are you spending your money on you're given this time for a purpose this is a temporal time setting up for an eternal future. Remember what's valuable. Work for work's sake is worthless. Work for eternity's sake is beauty.
1: And with- politically, Marxism is bunk. Marxism is bunk. Okay, Yes. thank you so much for
0: joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good <coughs> stuff. If you didn't like it, I'm sorry. I oh. hope uh, we will work to uh, do a better <laughs> job in the future. Uh, thank you so much. May you have a blessed day. <laughs> thank you. See thank you. you. All right. All right. So if you're still here, I want you to say we're going to start our own little anti-work moment here because oh, the other no. thing that anti- our anti-work, our slash anti-work was about was bad work experiences. What was a bad work experience that you found a chance to change or to make for the better
1: Uh, or one that
0: you wish you could have done better in 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 a a gospel moment i
1: mean this is one of those times where there's so many examples that i'm having trouble first
0: one that pops out
1: picking one okay this is just the most recent one uh i'm a nurse i work in a hospital so we do a lot of charting whatever whatever i got a patient and they came up from the er and their hemoglobin was 6.2, which, if anyone knows, that's no good. Uh, That's really bad. And they told me in report that the person had refused to get a blood transfusion. I walk in the room, and I spend two seconds with them explaining what it is to get a blood transfusion, and they say, oh, will it make me feel better? Oh, yes, ma'am, it will. Oh, okay, I think I'll take that. And nothing was done. <laughs> nothing was ready. They were... St- I didn't handle it well. I had some resentment in my heart. I still do, if you can't tell. I I'm working it. on it. But it. It, it's, it's hard because they... they that person's life was in jeopardy like that that could especially if they're still bleeding well. anyway i'm gonna end there
3: and josh what happened this morning yeah, i was gonna say this morning <laughs> shipment you're late shipment's supposed to deliver at 0800 there's three trucks delivering one of the trucks delivers but the other two trucks they're with the same exact carrier not the same carrier you did the first truck but they're both of those two are the same carrier and they could not be bothered to and do and no time. no here's what happened here's what happened we sent them a rate con. We confirmed with them five days in advance, three days in advance, the day before yesterday. And then this morning we get a message. I get a message from the customer. Hey, where are those two trucks? Ooh, I don't like getting those. I, I If you know anything about me, I love staying on top of the game. And when I've when something is a surprise to me, it's no good. And so when I, I, I email the, the carrier, I say, hey, man, where are those two trucks? They, they say they don't see them. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. We did not send the rate con with the updated time of 0800. And then I just gotta. If it's you want to like know you what, be
0: bothered just to give a date and time. Yeah.
3: And, and so then I got this message from the customer just now saying that there's probably going to be incurred unplanned labor cost, which is keyword for they're probably going to want a discount. Oh and so gosh. the way I'm going to handle that is just I'm going to give them a discount, but I have to figure out how much I'm going to give them on this discount. That really stinks. That people don't do their job well. Give us a short one. We're running out of time.
2: Short one. Was when I was younger at the time when I had major drinking problems, I worked in the uh, service industry as a restaurant manager and being someone that had a drinking problem when you got free food and free alcohol, all created a bad problem and had hard times getting to work, doing things like that. And being that way, I also created bad toxic work environment for other people. It was not good for them, not good for me. So uh, didn't work out too well at that time.
0: So on our own little anti-work thing here, I'll just say, uh, just this week I had someone keep adding stuff to a bill of service for a big event, a multi-million-dollar event, and they kept adding like slides and like up to the second. Like I am editing the PowerPoint while it's live in front of diplomats from multiple nations. I was nice to them. But I did kind of say, I don't like this. This is very stressful to a co-worker. It was a big, well, I say co-worker. I was working for a bono. But uh, <laughs>
1: anyway. <laughs> anyway.
0: So with that said, put your interesting experience down in the chat below. We love you. Take care. Have a wonderful week, beloved. Bye-bye. Bye.
3: Bye. Bye.